Please welcome. Please welcome. Welcome. This is another episode of the Defenders of Business Value podcast, a podcast where we talk about what makes a business valuable, learn the tips and tactics to increase your company's value that only veteran dealmakers know. And now here's your host, Ed Mysogland. Welcome back to another episode of Defenders of Business Value. I had I had one of the best visits I had in a long time. And I visited with Dawn Bloomer and she is an exit planner of, and she works predominantly in professional practices. And, you know, one of the things that I really enjoyed talking to her about that not many people address is the mental health aspects of this whole exit planning process. And as a professional practice, you know, as an owner of a professional practice, you find out, you know, that business is you or so much of it is you. And how do you how do you limit yourself in in not being the entire business? And the and the funny thing is when talking with Don, I and her, her practice is called Productive Pressure, and it she has an interesting analogy uh, because she comes from a horse racing background, she's a veterinarian and she had sold her practice and she's taking a lot of the, the, the landmines that she stomped on and she's helping other professional practices understand the same, you know, how to avoid the mistakes that she, she did. And, and so one of the things that, that I, I so appreciated our conversation was not only how transparent she was, I mean, because she, she, she made mistakes and, and it's hard to admit those, but what more so I really respected that the fact that she was talking about how, how it affected her personally. And so I, I'm, I'm certain that you will enjoy my conversation with Don Bloomer of Productive Pressure. Well, welcome to the show, Don. Great to have you. Great to be here, Ed. Thanks so much for having me. So before you came on, I I gave kind of a high level view of you and and your practice, but I, I likely did not do it justice. So if you would just talk a little bit about your practice and and how you got to where you are. Sure. So for for over twenty years, I was actually a veterinarian for racehorses. So. My background is in the professional services industry. And like a lot of professional services folks, uh, I learned an awful lot about being a veterinarian when I was in school, not so much about being a business owner. And so uh, I sort of became an accidental entrepreneur when I bought into our practice. Uh, I was fortunate to be part of a really uh, well-established practice that was already very profitable. Um, And it was profitable mostly because it was a bunch of people working really, really hard. And we were in an industry at the time that was doing really well. As time went on, I sort of came to realize that I probably needed to know a little bit more about business because when 2008 hit, you know, the economy wasn't quite as strong, you know, like we started to hit a few little road bumps. And I thought, I think I should learn something about how we should really be doing this. And that's when I went back and got my MBA. And after I did that, you know, 
I started to realize all the things that we'd sort of been getting lucky on, you know, and, (laughs) and I realized that, that we were making up for a lot of our, um, I hate to say it, but really inadequacies in the business, you know, business management department by just working harder and longer and more and billing more and doing more procedures. And we really just focused on the top line. Now we, we tried to manage our expenses and all of those things, but we weren't doing any of it in a very deliberate way. And so that gave us a huge opportunity to start refining the way we were doing things. And, and ultimately yeah, it was a long and circuitous route, but eventually sure. we were able to um, merge our practice with a group of 30 something other practices across the U S we grew that for a while. And I was fortunate enough to be invited to be part of the deal team where we went out and looked for other practices to buy and add to our group. We did a lot of that during COVID, which was exciting. <laughs> um, and then sort of as COVID was settling in, we were approached by a much larger aggregator owned by a private equity group. And the wow. powers that be decided that that was a good move. And so at that point, I had spent a lot of time doing you know, biz dev and, and talking to a lot of practice owners across the world, like all over the world, because we when we were growing our group, we were looking everywhere. Yeah. And I started to see a lot of the same problems that we had had in our practice and had a lot of really difficult conversations with practice owners and realized that a lot of them had no plan for the future. And so when they came to us, they were looking for an exit, but they hadn't planned it. And so they were coming to us and they thought, well, I've got a lot of revenue. I'm making a lot of money. You know, we're profitable. Um, Why don't you want to buy us? And so those conversations were really hard because these people had poured their blood, sweat and tears into their business. It was their baby. And it was sort of like us telling them it was ugly. You know, I was like, yeah. sorry, it has no value. So anyway, long, that was the long yeah. way of telling you that that's how yeah. I ended up getting into um, basically my whole goal is to help other professional services providers remove themselves from the center of their business so that not only can they have a business that has more value when they finally decide to exit. But in the meantime, they can have a better quality of life and, you know, their business can kind of give them what they always thought it would. Yeah. And, and enter productive pressure, right? Yeah. That, so that's, that's where that came from. Okay. So, so I'll just segue right into it. So the, the power of productive pressure, striking the balance between drive and well-being. That's kind of your tagline. I'm, I'm just curious to know, you know, I'm assuming throughout your travels that that this has been kind of percolating and marinating. And then and then after the your own exit, this became kind of the mantra for your practice. Is, is that right? Or that's right. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. So as a veterinarian, you know, my for racehorses, obviously like kind of a special niche. Um, my role was to help the trainer make sure that the horse could get fit enough to run fast, you know, on its yeah. little legs around around an oval at high speeds without getting injured. And obviously you have to apply enough pressure to them so that they get fitter, their bones get stronger, their muscles develop, and they're able to take more and more uh, stress, if you will, without giving them so much, applying so much pressure that they get injured. 
And I feel like yeah. it's, that was sort of the, the sense I wanted to bring into this because I think during COVID, especially, we became very aware of how many professional service providers were burning out and were leaving their chosen profession because they just decided they couldn't take it anymore. And so I, I thought that that was sort of a good way to frame the fact that stress in, is, in and of itself isn't bad. It's actually necessary. Yeah. But, but it's what we do with it and how we, how we help ourselves adapt to it. And so I like to talk a lot about mental fitness and, and how we can be proactive instead of just becoming more resilient and being reactive, we can actually become more proactive about how we approach that. I see. So when you, and again, I, in our practice, I mean, I, I, I tend to hire CPAs, accountants, and the other is, is former exited business owners that, that they bring a, an entirely different level of empathy. And, you know, I've walked in your shoes and I think, I think from, from where I sit, you know, I think that's that's really interesting about how you, how your practice developed, not only just because of the exit, but also because, you know, you were a veterinarian, right? Or, yeah. 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 So yeah. so so it's funny you said because I have a veterinarian, an exited veterinarian on our on our staff, and we and we we don't we we tend not to get in into that, but but my point is it the transferable empathy to yeah. to these business owners are you know i think and i'm I, I assume you agree with me that you know it just resonates somebody to talk to yeah. that you know what i i know i know what you're feeling and i know the things that i'm going to ask you may be difficult but we but i'm telling you that you can you can see the I've other been side there. Right. And and I, th I think you're right. In, and I think the other thing is that as a professional and someone who's highly trained, it's often hard to ask for help or yeah. to admit what you don't know. We think we should be able to figure it out. We're smart people. Look what we went through to get where we are. And so I think the fact that I can I can stand up and say, hey, you know, I did this stuff and I did it wrong. I, did, you know, I I did it wrong. I did it backwards. You know, I didn't know what I was doing for most of the time. And, and it's nothing to be ashamed of or to feel bad about, but if yeah. you're willing to, you know, take the time to learn how you can do it differently and you can do it better. Well, and that, that leads us to the next question about value growth and exit planning. And one of, one of the things I really appreciated you doing was, is helping me with some of my questions because I, I have, you know, I have kind of my set way of, of looking at it, but you brought up something with, that was really interesting, and that was the growth and, and exit planning. Can they coexist? Because that is a real, that's, those are two different animals. And as it relates to productive pressure, the two different animals, I'm saying animals. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Go, go figure. Um, yeah, yeah. So you've got, you've got two different, two different manners of which you're addressing the business. And I guess I want to, I want to talk a little bit about that. Can you, how do they coexist and how do you balance that? Sure. So I think that one of the misconceptions is you are either trying to grow or you're trying to get out. And I, I think that if you, if you start 
far enough in advance thinking about what your eventual exit might be. And I, I think where people get hung up is they don't even want to think about exiting because it sounds yeah. very final. And then what am I going to do? And da, da, da. So the, the beauty is that all of the things that you do to build value in your business will actually make it more, you know, easier to sell at the end of the road. Yeah. So, so if you can get people thinking less about the exit, sometimes it helps them to be willing to work on the, you know, the value of the business. We tend to focus a lot on profitability, right? Like, well, how much money am I making? How much am I going to put in my pocket? And that's terrific. But that, but it, I think what really hit me was all these people had very profitable businesses and none of them had valuable businesses. They were only valuable to them in so much as they could support their lifestyle. But right. when they wanted to leave, they were going to be walking away and basically liquidating for the value of the assets they had on hand. And to me, I felt like that was just, it's just a terrible waste. Like I think it's an, it's an economic and an, and an emotional waste. I mean, all that effort you put in. So to me, it's this idea that you've got to have an exit plan. You do, because otherwise you, even if you don't make one, you're going to have one. Cause at the end of the day, if you don't plan, your plan will be to liquidate. Well, one way or the other, you will be exiting. One way or the other, you will be exiting. I think the other thing, as you well know, is that a lot of people don't realize that more than 80% of businesses do not get sold. And so I think people assume that when the time comes, they're just going to be able to sell and and get something out of it. Yeah, I think, and, and I think that a lot of business owners look at their peers and they say, yeah, if he or she fumbled through it, certainly I can do it. And, and, and the, and the problem is that you don't, you don't, those aren't necessarily the same circumstances that they somehow managed to get through. And these business owners, you know, as, as you're, as you're coaching them and, and talk to, talking to them about, about value and value growth, you know, they don't understand. And, and this, this is a statistic that, that, that we keep, you know, if, if you do any value work, any value work, and I'm talking whether it's evaluation or talking about exit planning or just meeting with someone that talks to you about the, the, the sale process, whether you choose to sell or you're going third party or you're selling it to your kid or whoever, it's an 80, it changes from a 20% fail, 20% success rate to an 80%. Wow. Right. It, it flips on its head that just that having that conversation puts you in such a, a superior position to to take those next steps because you, you now know, yeah, you now know that how somebody's going to look at your business. And yes. and as you've identified, where are the chinks in the armor and how are we going to offset that? And that's, and, and to me, I think that's, that's the, such the value that, that you bring. And and when we're talking professional practices, you know, there's not a whole lot of tangible assets. So that's, so that's what, so that's where we're going to go next is, is when you're looking at these, at these businesses where, you know, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm dressed in, in, in a tie because I was an expert witness earlier today. You know, we start talking a lot about goodwill and how do you transfer 
that value to the next person. So that's where I'd like to go next is talk about, you know, some of the, some of the coaching examples that you have that, that get you out of being that person, because the first thing that any buyer or anybody that is addressing risk is going to do is say, you are the business. So how do we, how do we work around that? Well, and I think for professional services providers, it's a big challenge because they're used to being the most responsible, arguably the most important person. (laughs) They have all the answers, right? Like we're used to being the person. We want our clients to believe that we are the one, right? I mean, that's why we went to school for all those years so that we would be the one. The challenge with that is I feel like oftentimes that role becomes a part of our identity. And so we're very reticent about giving any of it up. And I I think that it, it, it creates this really, it really this sort of catch-22 situation because as long as you are the most important person, that's great. You may be the rainmaker, but you're not building value and there's no succession plan in that. And so this is why sometimes working with solopreneurs is tough because they struggle with the bringing in a younger person or another person and giving some of that up. And, and over time, you know, transferring that goodwill, as you talked about, to that next person. Now, even that is not the whole solution though, right? Because that's fine. So you transfer it to a successor. So you kind of just kick the thing down the road, which sometimes is the best you can do given your timeline. But if you have more roadway, then not only can you look at, you know, passing it on to your successor, but actually having many people that are involved and sometimes bringing in another group and creating more um, I like to talk about the fall down factor, like the, the concern that a buyer has, which should be your concern as well, is mitigating risk. And and so I talk about, well, what if you fall down? Who's stepping into your shoes and how long is that sustainable if it's not actually you? And this is why this whole idea of exit planning versus value building to me, I mean, they really dovetail nicely because yeah. This removing yourself from the center of your business is the number one after it's part of this whole process of mitigating risk, which is what a buyer wants to see is they want they want profits. Sure. They want, um, you know, they want a strong EBITDA, but they want to know that their their risk is mitigated as much as they can. And so that whole idea is great. Yeah. Transfer it to the successor. So that involves things like, you know, having really promoting them to your customers, really helping them learn how to do things the way you do. And that falls into that whole idea of creating systems and processes that support what you're doing so that anybody could really walk in and do things. Sure, you're going to have different personalities, but if you start working on what does your brand look like? And we don't think a lot about branding as special service providers a lot, but when you look at some of the new brands that are coming into some of these areas, their brand is everything, right? Their product isn't even, it's nowhere close to a lot of what the mom and pop shops are doing, but their brand is spectacular. You know, it's pretty and people right. can go on the app and, and there's no friction. It's easy to make an appointment. They can get in to see someone when they want to or whatever it is. It, right. Well, and, and what, what I was taking a note while you were talking, you know, one of the telltale signs for a business owner is that question. How do you introduce yourself? And this is a, this is a, a thing from John Warillo from Built to yes. Sell. 
Yep. You know, how do you identify? And that will, that answers a lot of the question on how you view your business and how, how you're going to, I suppose, how you're going to accept exit planning. Yes. Um, one of the, give me one second here. I was looking at um, Mary Mills. She was on episode, I think she was on episode 84. And Mary Mills, you know, because you were talking about processes. Yes. And one of the things that Mary Mills does, and and she's over in your neck of the woods too. Um, Ooh, so, so she she helps document processes. That mm -hmm. I mean it that's her that's her whole business is coming in and and sitting and documenting because all these business owners that just fight that you know yes, it's just a matter of here come follow me around i'll tell you all the processes and and my point and and this is is moving into the next question that that i had had which had to do with technology yeah. and i bring her up only because you know, she's, she's leveraging technology to help you document your, pro your processes. So the next person or persons can follow along. So, so what technology are you seeing in the exit planning space that aids in, in, I guess, amplifying the, the, the strategy for whatever that might be, whether it's eventual exit or, you know, succession. So you mean as, as far as the type of technology I'm using with my clients or that using within those businesses to help? Yeah. So, so how can technology be utilized to aid in effective business strategy? So there are so many ways. Um, yeah. I, and I love technology. I was an early adopter of just about everything. I've slowed down a little bit. I've got, got a yeah. little more careful about it. But I, I think what happens to a lot of um professional service providers is that they they may have embraced some technology. Some of them have not. Some of them, I, yeah. I, it blows me away sometimes when I'll go in and they'll still have paper chits for things and, and you know, a clipboard and, yeah. and I'm going, yeah. wow, um, no judgment. Right. But, but I'm like, wow, right. this is exciting because we've got opportunities here. Um, I would say that there are so many places where you can make technology work for you. The key is to pick the right technology, which is always a challenge, and not to overdo it. I, you don't want technology to be a solution looking for a problem. You want tech, to use technology in places where it really is going to add value to you and to your customers. And there's all sorts of simple stuff. When it comes to SOPs, you can. there are very elaborate um, ways of documenting your processes now, but... I what I like to do is I like to try and tap people like I'm going to look up Mary because I like to tap people who are very good at a specific thing and have them help yeah. clients do that. Because the reality is that you want to do it well and you want to do it efficiently and kind of muddling your way through it is not always yeah. helpful. There are lots of different practice management softwares, depending on the type of business that you have, that can be very helpful. It can also be overwhelming because there are so yeah. many, there are so many types of software and everybody's, you know, branding and marketing theirs to be the best for all of the things. And right. the reality is, is most of the things that say they do everything don't do anything very well. Um, right. So, 
So I think that it's really important to be mindful when you're making those investments. The other thing I see a lot of is people have become very entrenched in whatever software they're using. They're afraid of the switching costs They're and rightfully so. I mean, sometimes it's expensive. It's always painful in the beginning, but, but there are times and places where just changing something like, you know, your, your operating system can be a game changer and really make things a lot more efficient. And those are the kind of things that buy yeah. I mean, a business that you want to work in and it's easy to run is a business that someone's going to want to buy. Amen. Well, I'll tell you, and and along those same lines that that you, that you reference, one one of the things is like custom software. That is either a really good thing or a really bad thing. <laughs> and for for whoever is looking at it, because you know you've customized it so much to your liking that it makes it next to impossible to to pivot if you so choose without a lot of pain um one of the things you know some of the antiquated businesses that you that you see and 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 we see too you know i talk to you know a number of buyers that as soon as they start seeing paper and paper processes that's a value penalty it does not mean you know it does it may not it it may not be i mean not be a deal cooler but, but it's definitely it's so, definitely a value right. detractor yeah because right. who wants to take on that that job of of changing all of that over and and it, a lot. and and the problem the problem is that or one of the problems is that it it's it's it brings on a whole level a whole new level of scrutiny you know that yes. People make mistakes. Software d- tends not to if it's programmed. And correctly. if it does, usually you can you can find it. Yes, great. Right. And and you're right. I think that's a great point. Ed is this whole idea that all the things you want to do in preparing to sell a business is is just what you talked about. You want to decrease yeah. the amount of scrutiny. So you want to make sure that you've covered all of your risk yeah. mitigation. So, you know, yeah. you've transferred your goodwill, you've, you have all your insurance things lined out, you have all of your regulatory. That's a big thing in professional services practices is every state, every jurisdiction has different regulatory rules. And, and yeah. you know, that, not even talking about OSHA, but, you know, yeah. you know yeah. not just the HR stuff, but the actual regulatory things for your particular industry. And that's a big deal to a buyer. Um, anything around accounting and your processes there again a process thing and so to me all of that is wrapped up in that whole idea of making sure that your systems and processes are well thought out and well documented yeah and in fact we we have yeah and and we say it and we we tell the people we work with we want you to 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 start thinking about a deal room you know, I, I don't care if you're a decade away from selling, just start compiling just have, have yes. it, have it in one spot and, you know, time kills all deals. And yeah. if, if you are locked and loaded and you have your regulatory, all, all your regulatory matters in one folder that you don't have to fumble around trying to find when, yes. when that time comes, you're. Oh my gosh, you're so many so miles ahead. Much 
Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because not because most people are not going to have done that. And you're so right because it's the little things that when it comes to the deal, make all the difference. And I learned all of that the hard way. We right. did it the first time. I had no clue. And boy, was it painful. Was it painful? <laughs> and yeah. I thought we had pretty neat and tidy stuff. I was pretty, I was pretty pleased with myself, you know. However, <laughs> I had no idea of what we were getting into. And we had never undertaken anything like that and had no experience. And right. it was, it, we did a lot of stuff wrong. We, we, there were a lot of places where we could have done much better for ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll tell you, I learned a lot from doing things the hard way. Well, as I, good. As and, I now you're, and now you're sharing it, but and I'm sharing it, but that's why I'm so passionate about it. And that's also why, to your point, I have a lot of empathy about it. Yeah. It's also why, like, the, the handling, the culture of, of even talking about an exit plan, even if you're talking about an exit plan 10 years in the future, people, sometimes it, it makes them uncomfortable talking to their team about it. And those are things that I've, I spend, as I'm sure you do, I spend a lot more time around mindset and and dealing with those kind of issues than I ever thought I would going into it. You know, I had, I was sort of, you know, oh, the, the management part of it, the, right. the nuts and bolts of it are the hard part. It's not. The hardest, uh, for me, the hardest thing for people to wrap their heads around is really a lot of the stuff around the mindset of changing the way you think about your business, change about changing the way you think about how you want to do business and why you want to do it that way, and then how you communicate that to your team and um yeah. It, it's that's, yeah that's a good that's a good place to, to segue because like i i was telling you so my wife's a therapist and and that's cool uh, well <laughs> at, 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 at times dep depending on which side of the the interview you're on <laughs> um <laughs> so the i do think that that the sale of a business or the exit or Anytime you're you're uh, you're starting to address the uh, your identity, whatever that might be, yeah, you know, you bump into some challenges that perhaps, yeah, and, and in my case, I was I was talking about the um, this expert witness testimony. I mean, this this guy's mm -hmm. sitting here going, you know what, you know, I gave everything to this business. I gave my marriage for this business. Sure. I gave up going to my kids my kids events and here we are and you're telling me it's worth this or somebody's yeah. telling me it's worth this or this buyer's telling me it's worth this. So I guess that's where I want to go with this. Next question is, <clears throat> is to talk a little bit about, you know, just mental health surrounding this, this, yeah. this event or the planning of it. And, you know, how, how are you coaching the people you're working with ab about that. So this is a great, this is like one of my favorite topics because I lived the dream, right? I, mm -hmm. by the time I was six, I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian. I spent, you know, the next 20 something years getting there. I bought into a practice and then right as I was buying into the practice, I got pregnant. By that point, I was already on my second marriage. And then as my kids, uh, you know, as I, I had my son and three weeks later, went back to work, took him with me um, because, you know, I, I, I thought yeah. that that was the only way that I could prove that I was still committed to the thing, 
And, you know, I'd just been asked to buy in. And did anybody tell me I had to do that? No, absolutely not. But that's how I felt. And so that's what I did. Then two years later, I had my daughter and I scheduled to be induced. I had someone to cover for me for three weeks. I went back. This time, I was like, you know, having her in the barn and in the truck all the time with the two of them with the nanny was probably going to be a lot. So I bought an RV and I parked it at the racetrack because that's what you do, right? So you're committed. Fast forward, yeah. yeah, you yeah. just make it happen. But but to your point, I missed out on all sorts of things. I missed out on soccer games. I missed out on school plays. I missed out on, you know, cooking breakfast for my kids in the morning, which, you know, a lot of people probably think that's not such a bad thing. But I missed out on a lot of stuff. <laughs> and 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 at some point you think I missed out on vacations like I worked all holidays because of the way our business was uh, until much later in my career. Yeah. Um, and I am now on marriage number three. And in between there, I had all sorts of highs and lows with my own uh, journey with mental sure. health and dealing with the stress of all of it. You know, I, I got to a point where I used to hide out in the bathroom at the, at the track in the barn in the bathroom because I just needed peace for like five minutes. And if I was in my truck, people would come and I'd sit there and I'd journal sitting on the toilet. Like, you know, like, yeah. so this whole idea yeah. of mental health and how much, when, how ingrained we get in ourselves having to be that person who is the center of the thing. So I spent a lot of time working with people on, well, like, why did you start the business in the first place, right? Because a sure. lot of times by the time they come to me, they're kind of at the point where, it's like, well, I've been doing all this and for what? Like, I've got money now. I don't have time to spend it. What? Yeah. Like, it's almost like an existential crisis, you know? Sure. And so it's that it's getting back to that why. So why did you start it in the first place? Why was it important to you to be a business owner? Mm -hmm. and, and, and why did that drive you to do all of these things? What I find happens a lot is that our values when we started the business were different. What was really important to us when we started are often different because we go through major life changes along sure. the way. And so by the time we get here, where we, we're looking like we've really accomplished everything and we're very successful, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. It should, you'd think. Like you did the thing that you wanted to do, but it doesn't feel good anymore because your life has changed along the course of this. And now what, you, what was important to you here is not the same as what's important to you now. So. I spend a lot of time having people do stuff that doesn't sound very um, exit planning business oriented, but really around identifying what your values are, what is really important to you and like, what's your why now? And then using that, because we spend a lot of time talking about the business, but at the end of the day, for the owner of the business to be comfortable selling, they need to know what's next for them. Whether that's, you know, in a year or 10 years, they need to know what's next, like have some sense of it. It might change but have some sense of it. We spend a lot of time on the why, like why, and then creating a vision around that and then backtracking from that to figure out what we need to do to make that happen. Yeah, and I think, I think the business owner, you know, as they, I, I think that they, they begin to, if they can get over the fact that the business is part of them, not necessarily all of them, Yes, I, I think that they they kind of come to the realization that, you know, there will be something after this. Yes. You know? And and so it but I I don't think I don't think that business owners get the credit that they 
deserve of the the mental challenges that that they go through no one no one unless you're in it no one understands you know payroll keep payroll keeps coming no yes. one understands the personal guarantees that have been given no one understands that when someone you know when a lawsuit comes or yes. someone is pissed at you yep. who's going who's going to address it and yep. that takes that takes a toll and especially in professional practices you know where your names on perhaps your names on the marquee you know that's yes. not not only you know that's reputational harm and yes. you don't want to jeopardize that i and so you're absolutely right and it is a and it and it is real the struggle is real and the and this to your point that stress it never leaves and so that's one of the reasons why this whole idea of work life balance to me feels like bs right like it's not about work versus yeah. life. Work is part of your life. Yeah. There are lots of parts to your life, or at least hopefully there should be. And so if you're trying to balance work and life, work's going to win every time because of that, because you yeah. can't shut off the worry about right. all the things that could and do happen in the business. You can't just shut it off because you have a lot of people relying on you. And also to your point, it is your reputation. Yeah. And, and that, and that matters. I mean, you spent a lot of time building that. Well, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people and you might be the first that has has addressed this. And and I and my wife will be tickled to death to know that <laughs> that, that there is there is someone in the exit space that's addressing that. Um yeah. and I I and so I I applaud you because I, I do believe that especially in the in the service industry, that's a, that is a real challenge. I, I, I would, I would put that up against even business value that. Um, I agree. I agree. And that's why really what I, what I really focus on is this idea of removing, you know, the owner from the center of the business. Cause I feel like that's where it all starts. If we can get that part done, it's the hardest part. If we can get that part, right. Yeah. Then the rest of it flows from there. And I always start with that. That and, you know, you need to have a sense of what your business business value is at yeah. the outset, because often that's something that people have a number in their head and they've even put it on their their personal network statement. Sure. <laughs> and they're making all of their other decisions based on this little yeah. pie in the sky number. And that makes me nervous, too. Um, you know, I'm a mom. I worry about stuff. I want people to well, I want people to be OK. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the the, the thing is that 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 they will and the the idea of insulation um you know i, I should be appealing but the, the the path of of releasing control that's that's the the road to hoe you know that's it hard, is. hard to do it is. it is but but you know what if and, and i wish you know you you being in the exit space and and i wish there was more and it, it an exit plan. Well, you know, it's been around. You know, I I, I think it's still infancy. But yes. yeah. But Agreed. I wish there was more data. I wish there there was more empirical yeah. evidence to say. You know what? You know, I know I'm doing it in my shop, but wouldn't it be great to know that? You know, if you if you if you move this lever, here is here is the change of value. And I think John Warillo is on his way with, um, with value builder on, you know, the eight value drivers, but it, 
from an exit planning standpoint, holistically, I would just be curious to see how how some of these things really affect affect everything post exit. But yes, yeah. I agree. I agree. I agree a hundred percent because I do think that we talk a lot about leading up to exit, but the the post exit and the you know the yeah. the post transaction integration uh, and depending on what you're doing is another whole nut in and of itself. Yeah. And, and there is a lot of emotion and a lot of, um, yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot of, you know, change is hard. Right. And that's why you always want to make sure that in a, in a transition that you're trying to run towards something you want, not run yeah. away from something you don't want because it changes the whole flavor of it. If you are running away because you're tired of it, you don't want to do it anymore. Versus you're running towards something you're excited about. Yeah. It, it really, it really changes, you know, the flavor of the transition. Yeah. And it, it, it changes the dynamic also. And it also changes you as a seller that, yeah. that, that I am, I am leaving, I am leaving one chapter, but I'm, I'm opening another rather than, you know, that. I'm, I'm desperate I'm, to get out of here. I can't wait to leave. Right. And, and, <laughs> And as you know, I mean, 75% of business owners regret selling and yes. because yes. they just, yeah, what, what, now what? Now yeah. What? There's what only so I? much tennis and golf and <laughs> yeah. such and go, to do. Yeah. And you go meet some new people. You go to a dinner party where you haven't seen people in a while and they're like, oh, well, what are you doing? Right. Like, I mean, I was there. I've been there. I've been through that. It's yeah. not for nothing, you know, you just kind of want to hide out for a while until you figure it out. <laughs> yeah, No, no, I get it. And, and the funny thing is, I, I don't think that retirement has the same ring to it. You know, no. I think, yeah. I think those that, that want to remain relevant, uh, if they can kick the retirement can down the, down, down the aisle. Hey, perfect. In fact, I'm, I, I'm more excited for those people that if they if they want to you know if they want to be carried out of their business that's great just do yeah. do yourself a favor let somebody know that that's what you want to do and that's yeah. what you're going to do yes yes well, i think you're completely right well i've been i've been keeping you a, a long time and so i i want to be sensitive <laughs> to it so the last chatty I get no, excited. No, no, just the opposite. No, you've been great. <laughs> the 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 one question I ask everybody, and I've done this since day one, is if you had one piece of advice that you would give, you know, give the business owner that would have the most impact on their business, what would it be? Most impact on their business. Yep. One, one piece, piece of advice. advice. The most impact on their business. Yep. It's sound really um Odd, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think the one piece of advice for the thing that will have the most impact on their business is to set aside one hour a week of thinking time. And I say that because that one hour a week of you giving space for just thinking about, you know, what do you want to do? Or why is this? Why are you doing this? But but to think about what you want personally, one hour. We spend a lot of time working on our business, one hour for you to think about the possibilities. Because for me, I had a mentor that had me do that. And then he would actually hold me accountable because I'm like, I don't have time for an hour. What are you talking about? You're nuts. And he maybe put in my calendar and then we'd have a call right after for 15 minutes to make sure I did it. Changed my life nice. because it's 
moved me into a mindset of possibilities. Sure. I, I wouldn't spend any time trying to figure out how I could make the things happen. I would just think about what all the possibilities were. And it was amazing. All the things that opened up from that, it, it opened up my thinking. And I what think that, that we don't hold space for ourselves as business owners. We're too busy doing the thing, putting out fires. So just holding space for yourself. What a great answer. That, that, oh, that, that, no, again, no one has I was ever said something that. clever and businessy, but <laughs> no, that, that <laughs> yeah, works. It's impact for me. That had the, that was the thing that really like for me was a game changer. Well, how can we find you? Where, where, what's the best way to connect with you? So I spend quite a bit of time on LinkedIn now because I've <laughs> learned that one must. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you can also find me on my website at ProductivePressure.com. And all of my contact information is there. So ProductivePressure.com is easy. Yeah. And, we, and we'll have every, every place that, you can, that we can find you in the show notes. <laughs> You know, I've, 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 I've had a great time visiting with you. I, I, Me too. This so, has been so, thank so, you so fun. Much. Well, thank you. And, and I look forward to, you know, I look forward to, to having you back because I'm, 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 I would be curious here in the next couple of years. Cause I, I do think that, you know, professional practices, they're going to be, there's, it seems as though out of all the sub segments of, of entrepreneurship, it seems as though professional practices are really starting to pick up speed. And yes. so I'm, I'm really interested to, to, to get more data points on what you're, what you're seeing. So I would love that. I'm actually really excited for all the, all the opportunities that are coming in the pipeline, because I think that there is a lot of opportunity and now is the time. Now is the time when, you know, it seems like everything is a struggle. It's not, this is when the right. smart people are buckling down and getting prepared for what's coming next. Nice. Well, Don, we'll see you next time. Sounds great. Thanks, Ed. This was another episode of the Defenders of Business Value podcast. For more episodes packed with strategies to increase the value of your business, visit DefendersOfBusinessValue.com for show notes, transcripts, and free tools to start you on your journey. Subscribe now so you don't miss any future episodes.